Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Is it looking good in here or what? Looking up, it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas. We are ready to go. Um, as we get ready to start off this Christmas season, we've titled this series and, and really the theme for the coming month and our Christmas Eve services is this idea that we invite and we just kind of tell people, come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see what God has done. Come and see what God is doing in my life. And that we would just confidently share what God is all about. You know, Christmas is, is so special. How many of you, it's like, the, it's your favorite holiday. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The lights, it's all pretty, it's going on. But for us as believers, it's special. But can I even say it like this? It's critical that we understand it. It's critical that we are reminded each and every year what Christmas is all about. Because in our culture, it's really often so misunderstood as well. And so if anyone needs to be fully uh, committed and deeply convinced of what Christmas is all about so that we might be able to share it with someone else, right? Because culture loves to celebrate the ribbons and the, the trees and everything except sometimes the Christ child. So this sermon this morning is, is, is hopefully going to put us on a pathway to help clarify to people what Christmas is all about. I've titled this sermon, Keeping Christ in Christmas. Amen? Keeping Christ in Christmas. So would you tell someone as we prepare our hearts, as we make room, as we get ready, it may feel awkward because it's still November, right? But we have our Advent at the end of service that we're going to light. But it might feel awkward. Would you turn to someone on your right or left, if you're related to them, give them a hug or a kiss, whatever it might be. But would you tell them Merry Christmas? Tell someone Merry Christmas. It's good to see you in church. It is good to be in church. It's good to be in God's house. It is good to be here today. I believe we have a, a word that God wants us to hear. You know, when we, when we talk about Christmas, culture from a very young age, from the minute we are born, culture tells us to get out and get yours. Get out and get what's yours. Go and get it from a very young age. Think about it, parents, as we have no doubt spent quite a bit of money through the years on toys for our kids, whatever it may be, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but think of the amount of things we are taught to accumulate from a very young age. It's kind of like we just are in the phase and the stage of accumulation, just getting more and more stuff. Um, we, we got back from SeaWorld this week, and we went for a quick two-day thing, and one of my kids, they got a, like a manta ray stuffed animal, and, and I sarcastically said, I said, that's just what we need, another plush stuffed animal. As if we don't have a thousand of them in the house already, right? We just, we, we need more plushies. We need more stuffed animals to throw on their beds. You can't even make their beds. There's just too many animals there. But we have this kind of this mentality. This is mine, 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 culturally, like those seagulls from Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, right? And we're taught from a very young age. But I loved, how many of you enjoyed church last Sunday, the word that Pastor Christopher brought? Were you here? That was pretty amazing. That was timely, wasn't it? 
He, he spoke a very, I, I would encourage you and those of you watching online, if you, if you missed it, that's all good. But we have a wonderful thing. You can go back and, and watch it on our app or on our website. But he, he spoke a timely message about, I think, what we're seeing culturally, what we're seeing in our church, in our homes, a message about gratefulness. He challenged me when he, he remember he spoke, he said, what do you, like, what, what do you have to be thankful about in our country, right? We, 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 we tend to get so negative during seasons of life. But what is it you have to be thankful for about our city, about our country? By no means are we a perfect country, right? But clearly there are, there are gaps, there are wealth gaps that exist in our country. But I got to say, when you compare our block, our neck of the woods, and you compare it to where our missionaries like the Wyatts go to Africa, right? when you compare where we are at <laughs> from a geographical sense and, and, and even the way we are blessed financially, right? We, we are blessed to live where we live, right? It doesn't matter if you're in an apartment or a home, but we, we have showers. How many of you are thankful for showers, right? We have baths. We have, we have fresh shoes. We have socks. If you have a teenage boy that's like 11 or 12, you're very thankful that they have showers and shoes and socks, right? Amen? There's something about that age that's just ripe, right? It's ripe. It's, it's a rough age. It's a rough age. You know, the amount of food, when we talk about our city, we were able to distribute 100 turkeys last week through um, our food pantry, the Johns, the Wyatts, uh, they set all that up, and we were able to distribute a lot of turkeys. And we, we were joking that if you really are in need, I mean, there's a church up the street that does food at 10. We do on Saturdays. We have a food pantry here on Wednesdays, three square. If you really are in need, Las Vegas would be a very difficult city. If you can figure out how to get around, it would be a difficult city to go hungry in because there are so many organizations, hundreds of churches, different ways that we as a city are so blessed by people like those that are involved in our, where's our food pantry team at? They're all in first, any food pantry folks in here that load every Wednesday? Are you guys, they all, they're the more spiritual crowd. No, I'm teasing. Um, they all come to first service, but we gave it up for them. They do an amazing job of, of serving so consistently, so well, and doing some tough work, but they are a blessing not only to our church, but they become a blessing to families in our community. Um, and so as we kick off this Christmas season, this Christmas message, uh, would you open your Bible to uh, Matthew chapter 1, and before we get to that, I want to read a scripture from 1 Timothy really quick that addresses this wealth issue for each of us, no matter if you're, like I said, if you own a home, if you're renting a home, if you're sharing, whatever it is, we have a, a level of blessing in our country that is unlike any other in this world. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verse 17, it says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. I love this. What a challenge for us each and every holiday Christmas season, to be rich in good deeds deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life the challenge for us today in an ever more distracted culture how do we keep 
Christ at the center of Christmas. You think about that, right? How do we keep Christ at the center of Christmas? Keeping Christ in Christmas. For many of us today, um, I remember growing up, and how many of you remember when we had a Christmas tree in the sanctuary? Anybody remember that? I remember growing up, we would do this even at our house. My siblings can attest to this. We would um, wrap beautiful large boxes um, with beautiful paper, and the bows had to look a certain way, the decorations had to look a certain way, and we would put them around the tree, or we would put them over here in the church, and inside these boxes, there were not any gifts. They were empty. They were just for decor. They were, I I never could understand. I'd be like, "We're, we're wrapping presents, and there's nothing in the present, right? But how many of us ever feel this way during this season where Christmas just emotionally feels like um, it's, it's well-wrapped, it looks good, but it's just well-wrapped emptiness. It just, on the outside, you're just, it's just the facade because on the inside, there has been so much going on that you've been dealing with that you can't get your mind off. You know, Christmas and any holiday for that matter, Thanksgiving, if we're not careful, and there are times where we, we go through seasons of loss and seasons where we are allowed to grieve. But Christmas for so many can be a time of loneliness. It can be a reminder of a lost loved one. It can be a reminder of tension within a family. It can be a reminder of, um, uh, of depression, whatever it is. And if we aren't careful, it can become habitual to only focus on these things which affect ourselves. If we aren't really careful, we can focus on ourselves more than Christmas. Uh, Today I want to kick off this conversation uh, with this idea about what are you investing in? What are you investing in this Christmas? I want to challenge us today. What are you investing in? Are we investing in earthly things that no doubt are, are temporary? Are you investing in something which you can never lose? Are you investing in the heavenly things that can never, ever be taken away? Are you investing in people, in, 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 in planting seeds of goodness, uh, sharing Christ? I, I thought about this for myself. I said this to one of the, the ladies leading worship, uh, the two sisters. We were talking, and we, we, we spoke about, we were just having a, a conversation before church, in between services, and we spoke about, we both, we kind of said, I don't, what was it, something like, when was the last time we invited anybody to church? And I said, I'm right there with you. I was like, it's sad that I don't remember the last time I extended that invitation to someone and said, come and see. Just, hey, just, uh, just want to invite you, just want to invite you to come and see what God is doing. Are we spending time this season investing in heaven, which you can never lose? You see, Christmas is full of a lot of activity. How many of you have a very full calendar this December? Christmas is full of activities. It's even, some of these activities are even religious activities, right? Some of them might even look religious, right? But if we aren't intentional, if you're like me, we are so easily distracted by other things that we just might roll through the month of December and miss Christ in Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, let's read this together. I want to point out some things, and we're going to start right here with the birth of Christ this holiday season. Is it okay to get into the Christmas message even though it's November? Right? All right, let's do it, folks. All right. 
verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, we often talk about the surprise that Mary, no doubt, must have gone through when the angel of the Lord speaks to her. But sometimes I think in Christmas, we, I don't know if it's our culture, sometimes it seems like we leave Joseph out of the equation a little bit. I want to talk about this guy for just a moment before we move on. Can you imagine, men and women, both of them, could you put yourself in Mary's, Mary's shoes for just a moment? And then if, you're, and if you're a guy, man, put yourself in, in, in Joseph's situation. Could you imagine yourself in Joseph's position when you hear this story? Look at verse 18 again. Like, let's really look at it and hear what verse 18 says. And if you're like under the age of 10... You can ask your parents what this means when you go home. But it says, verse 18, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And imagine being Joseph, and you just would say, what? Huh? Right? Guys in the house, can we be real, right? Even with this story, it's, it's like Joseph, sometimes I think we, we put him in this box, we're like, I can't believe he would, he would do that. And when we really like, put ourselves in his situation, he, I, I think for himself as an individual, remember he hasn't heard from the Lord yet. The Bible says he's going to, he, he is not going to disgrace her in public. He's, yes, he's going he's gonna to break off this engagement. He's going to separate from her. But the Bible says he's not going to embarrass her in public. But when we really think about it, who can blame him for bouncing? Right? Like, think about this story for a minute, right? Uh, he, he says, if, if I was in, 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 lame, in terms today, he says, I'm going to get out of this situation while I still can. Right? I'm going to run away while I still can. Right? And, and some of us, we look at this like, Joseph, how, how, you know, he was just going to leave Mary on his own. But think about it without hearing from the Lord. If your son, if your daughter, right, came to you this week and said, hey, uh, mom, dad, my fiance is pregnant, and I, I got news for you. The, the child, I'm, I am positive, the child, is, it's, it's not mine. Grandparents, parents in the house, what would your advice to your son or daughter more than likely be? <laughs> run, right? Like, you need to run away. And that would be logical. That would be good advice. That would be, that, I think that would be normal, right? There would be something wrong. If, that would be a wise decision. Right? If you advise them, oh, you know what, just, just stick it in, it'll be okay, right? Joseph's thinking, this isn't my baby. He's, I think he's going, you know what, I'm gonna, I love her, I'm not going to embarrass her in public, but I don't want to raise a child that's not my child, and frankly, I am not sure, I'm, I'm not buying this story she's selling. I'm not sure about this story, right? I'm going to end this quietly, which for Joseph, without hearing from the Lord, I, I don't think this is such a bad decision. Right? This isn't such a, a bad decision for him as an individual. I think it was actually a good decision. Like, oh yeah, you know what? In, in, in most contexts, like this is a good thing. But look what happens in verse 20. Something happens here. As he considered this, 
An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel of the Lord says, Joseph, she's, she's giving it to you straight. She's telling you the truth. This is, this, is, this is a real thing. This is happening. As Joseph was considering what to do, the Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And can we really say it like this? The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and challenged him to make a better decision. Challenged him to make an even better decision. He challenged him to say, you know what, Joseph, the haters are going to hate your friends. People are going to make snarky comments about the two of you. People are going to have their, their things that they say. They're going to make fun of you. Don't be distracted, Joseph, about what people are going to say behind your back because look what happens in verse 21. Here is what is this son, this child is going to be about. Verse 21, would you read it with me? She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Joseph, you have the opportunity to father on earth the Son of God. But Joseph, you have to make the better decision. Joseph, you, you, you have an opportunity to raise this kid. Joseph, you have the opportunity to teach him to be a carpenter. Joseph, you have the opportunity to teach him to work with his hands, to be strong, right? Sometimes I think, how did Jesus endure the things that he was going to endure? Well, look at his trait. He was a tough cat. He was a strong man. Joseph, you have the opportunity to care for his mom, but it's going to be hard decision. Verse 22, would you finish reading this Christmas story with me? All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, somebody say it with me, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. See, one thing I want to point out, Joseph's original plans I don't think were bad plans. Do you? He, he didn't have bad plans. He didn't have bad intentions. I think he was just being real. Okay, this is the situation. Cool. See you later, right? And he says, the Bible even goes to say this. It says, he was a righteous man. Notice that. It says, he, he was a righteous man. He was a good man. He cared for her. It says, he wasn't going to humiliate her in public. But after all, who, who would buy into this story? And then an angel came and the angel came to remind him that, you know what, Joseph, there's a tough choice out there for you. There's a hard decision for you to make. But man, it is going to lead to you raising God's son. And this kid, this baby boy is going to change and transform and impact the world. He is going to split time in two. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And if you make the tough choice, if Joseph, you make the best choice, <laughs> you are going to raise the Son of God. Joseph, if you honor God, I think it's interesting, you are, you're going to be remembered for eternity. You're going to be remembered for eternity. And so with this scripture in mind, I want to look at a few things this morning, just a couple. How do we, with God's Spirit, you see Joseph's actions changed the minute he heard from the Lord, right? He didn't have his dream and this interaction with an angel from the Lord and he just chalk it up to some bad Mexican food the night before, right? 
right? Joseph had the dream. He, the angel of the Lord came to him, and then what did, what did it say? Look at, look at back. It says, when Joseph woke up, I read this as he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He was obedient right away. How do we invest in eternity this Christmas? I love that Joseph, what would have happened, right? I love that Joseph didn't allow himself to be distracted by the opinions of others. He didn't allow himself to be distracted by the comments of what his buddies might say, what his parents might say, right? Joseph heard from the Lord, and he took action. One of the greatest enemies, the, one of the greatest things the enemy uses against the church is, I believe, this thing called distraction. Number one, we need to identify and diminish our distractions. Would you write that down in your notes? And if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can, um, you, you can follow along. It's right there in our media section. But would you, is it a fair thing to say, I think we are an easily distracted culture? I know guys in the house, can I, I'm, I'm, is anybody here easily distracted? Right? I see like a flashing, blinking light, and I'm looking, right? It's like that dog from up, like a squirrel, squirrel, and we just, we just go, right? Anybody, anybody feel like that from time to time? But this word distraction in the Latin, in, in the original uh, uh, language, this word distraction, it actually means to pull apart. Distraction means to separate. It means to draw the mind to something different. It means to draw the mind to different things. And I think the enemy knows that he has no shot at destroying God's church. He has, the, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not stand against him, right? He has no shot at destroying God's people, but he's very good at distracting God's people. Do we hear that, church? And I think he knows if he can distract us, if he can keep our minds focused on something else, he knows it will make us ineffective. He knows it will lessen our impact, if we have any impact at all, right? Maybe there's some of us, like, I remember I had a family member, God bless him, that sometimes it's like, man, we think of any reason to skip church, right? We will skip church for any activity, but we will never skip an activity for church, culturally, right? I had an uncle that, man, he would come and do sound, and he would work graveyard every night at the Harrah's, and he would show up, and he would serve God all the time, right? We are so easily distracted today because the enemy knows that he can't destroy God's people, but he can distract them. And he's really, really good at it, right? And we, if we think distractions, they're just everywhere. Being distracted, it may not seem like, some of you are like, man, this doesn't seem like a big problem. We're kicking off Christmas with distractions. It doesn't seem like a big issue. But if we're honest, it's a very effective tactic of the enemy. And, and he's very successful at it and he's very successful at making Christ followers bench warmers <laughs> ineffective bench sitters whatever it is that we no longer live for things that matter the most we're so distracted we don't strive for things of any significance there's a scripture where Paul talks about relationships and he talks about marriage but really we could apply this scripture I'm going to read to any aspect of our lives it's in 1st Corinthians chapter 7 verse 35 would you read it with me it says I'm saying this for your benefit not to place restrictions on you but I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best would you underline the last half of that verse? He says, I would like you to have with as few distractions as possible. Now, if you've been in church, right, we know Paul's talking about relationships, but we could apply this 
to any context of our lives. And I think there's something in each of us. We, we wouldn't bother to come here if we were okay being ineffective Christ followers, right? There's something in us. We come to church. We want to hear from the Lord because we want to do something. We want to be different. We don't want, I don't, we don't want to get to heaven and, and before the, the judgment seat of Christ, right? Which if you remember, that's the reward ceremony. Don't hear the judgment seat of Christ and think, oh no, uh, am I in or am I out? No, that's the time where he's going to hand out the prizes, right? It's that Bema, it's that, it's that Olympic medal stand. I don't want to get there and, and, and be like, you're in, but you're not on the medal stand. <laughs> you didn't medal. <laughs> you're, in fact, you're not even like top 100. Like, you're, you were sitting the bench, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get to heaven and, and literally just be like, good job at being average. Think about that for a minute. I have a question for you. Would you put this in your notes and nobody's going to read your paper this morning, we're not grading this test, but would you write down an answer to this? Would you, would you answer this question? What is distracting you right now? In your life, in your work, in your relationship with the Lord, what is a distraction for you? It can be a massive problem, or it can be something really, really small. What is a distraction keeping you from serving the Lord on a regular basis? What is a distraction keeping you from walking with Him? What is that squirrel flashing light in front of you right now distracting you? Is there something in your life? It may not even be a bad thing, but it might not be the best thing. You get where I'm going, church? Right, with Joseph? Like his decision wasn't a bad thing, but there was a better choice that he could make. Right? What distracts you, it may not even be an evil thing. It may be a simple thing that has become a distraction that is pulling you away from the Lord. I was reading a statistic this week, and get this. It said that the average person cannot go, cannot go, I can't believe this, cannot go 10 minutes without looking at their cell phone. Would you agree with that? I almost actually, today, I think I would almost disagree. I'd say it's more like five. Right? How many of you, the average person, it was a study that said the average person cannot go 10 minutes without looking at their cell phone. It, it said the average person spends more than two hours a day on social media, right? Whether on your computer, on your phone. And this, and I got news for you folks, this is not a millennial thing, because you baby boomers love Facebook, right? All the millennials say amen to that, right? I don't know what they're all on. They're on like, t uh, I don't even know them. Uh, I was going to say Tic Tac or <laughs> what is it? I forget what, TikTok, sorry. Um, I really botched that. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, but yeah, but we can't sit here and point the fingers at one generation because we all see how crazy you people get on Facebook. Like, true story, right? Somebody say amen to that, right? We love our Facebook. We love all that stuff. Man, my goodness. One of the best things, I was speaking to a um, school parent and I had heard that she, she had taken her phone away from her child. And she had some interesting things to say. She said, my, my daughter seems happier. Uh, she seems more satisfied. She doesn't seem as sad. She seems like she's doing so well the last three months without a cell phone. And parents in the house, how many of the parents in the house, like, part of me wants to be like, like no, duh right? Do you think, like, do you think suicide rates? Do you think depression? 
among youth? Do you think anxiety? Do you think all of those things that we deal with as a society, do you think they have gotten better since the creation of all these wonderful types of media to get involved in? They haven't. They haven't. You know, one of the best things you could probably do as a parent this Christmas is literally take that phone away and teach your kid how to, I don't know, play a board game. Teach them how to play Uno, right? Watch a movie, do some scripture, something. That's one of the best gifts. You know, and, and I'm not just sitting here today, you're like, okay, cool, this is a cell phone sermon, right? But it's something so small, it's not necessarily even a bad thing. But as a Christ follower, is something that small, is that device in your pocket, is it the best thing? Is it the best choice, right? So this morning I want to, number one, can we identify that little distraction, big or small? And then can we figure out ways to diminish it? Because Joseph, he had this dream, he heard from the Lord, and then he acted. Some of us wonder why we never hear from the Lord. Well, we don't put our friggin' cell phone down, right? We don't turn our TV off. We don't get into the Word. We don't, li- we don't, we don't we're listening. To diminish means to make less. It means to make something less valuable. Diminish those things that take away our focus, take away our time. And man, my kids hammer me because they say, I am the worst like multitasker on the planet. I'm so easily distracted, right? Like when, I, when I'm folding laundry, I got to like focus on the towels. Like I got a straight towel. Don't talk to me, anybody, right? One of my kids said, like she said the other day when I was cutting some chicken, she goes, Dad, when you're cooking, you cannot answer questions. And I was like, that is absolutely right. Like I, my mind just goes, it goes everywhere. So it's like one track, one track mind. But the story of Jesus, it begins with a man, an earthly man and an earthly woman. It begins with Joseph and begins with Mary. And this father that decides to quietly lead his family. In Joseph, we see this father that that decides to stay focused on that which matters the most. He decides to limit the distractions. He decides to do what the angel of the Lord commanded him and take Mary as his wife. How do we keep Christ in Christmas? How do we keep Christ in Christmas? Number two, we need to listen. And here's the next part. Not only do we need to listen, like Joseph did, we need to let him rule. See, Joseph listened, and then he took action. Joseph listened to the angel, and then he let the angel rule him. He, he, he listened and then he let him rule. One of the ways to miss Jesus at Christmas, and maybe you've missed him in years past, is, is this simple idea that we like doing what we like to do. We like being our own king. If we really are honest, we don't mind Jesus in the circle. We don't mind Jesus in the vicinity, but we aren't always okay with him as king, right? We like Jesus, the cute little baby in the swaddling clothes and the hay and this and that, right? Let alone we're going to get into the context and, and what was really going on in that culture. We think of Christmas, the star and this little thing, like all this, this beauty, right? But we aren't always okay with Jesus as ruler. And when Jesus got out of that manger, years later when he became adult, he, he said things like, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. 
Jesus said things like this. He said, if you love me, obey my commands. Jesus said things like, basically would say like, if you love me, then you will represent me. If you love me, you will do what I say. Isaiah chapter 30, it says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus echoed such things when he said, if you love me, do what I say. Don't come and praise me and worship me and then go look like everyone else, right? Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. It's, it's, it's beautiful, right? It's, it's lights. It's, there's all these different things to go see around our city. You can go to the racetrack, Opportunity Village. I hear they have something at the new ballpark that's way overpriced, right? There's sights and sounds. It's sweet. It's precious. Um, but culturally, I think... Society has accomplished their goal. How many of you enjoyed the message? If you were here, I hope, Sean preached a message a couple weeks ago, and he spoke about how his dad went to Costco to find a nativity set. And it wasn't there, and the worker didn't even know what a nativity was. How many of you know culture has done a pretty good job of removing Christ from Christmas, which is the name of the holiday? Hello, right? Oh my goodness, right? But we've turned it into something precious, into something sweet, and we love Christmas carols and milk and cookies and all these different things. But the very, let's talk about the first Christmas as we close this morning. The very first Christmas wasn't anything like Christmas today. It wasn't clean. It wasn't sanitary. I don't think it was probably very beautiful, right? It was a lot of people missing the Christ child. And by missing, like, they should have been there. Have you ever had people you, you count on, you thought, man, I, of all things, I would have thought you would have been there for me during this season, right? Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the religious people of that time, they loved Abraham, they loved Moses, and yet when Jesus came, it was the wise men from the east traveling years to see him. The people who should have been there weren't there. The innkeeper, you think Steve Wynn is popular? You think Sheldon Adelson's name is popular? Man, they will be forgotten in a few years, right? This innkeeper could have been remembered forever. Instead, we just know him as the innkeeper who was a knucklehead that wouldn't let him in, right? If this guy, this guy would have said, oh, come into my hotel, come stay forever, his name would have been, been remembered for eternity. This innkeeper missed him. There was also a king Here's what culturally was going on at the time. This earthly king, his name was Herod. He was the ruler in this time period. And he decided to make Christmas about something else. He, he decided to make Christmas. This is the background of Christmas. All the lights, all the milk and cookies, all the fun things, right? Here's what Christmas was like that first Christmas. It was about infanticide. It was about murder. It was about killing kids that were under a certain age. It was about not only killing them, it was about slaughter. This King Herod decided to murder every boy under the age of two because this King Jesus showed up. Does anybody here have a child under the age of two? There's a few of them. Think of your, your son, your daughter, right? Your, any grandparents in the house have a kid under the age of two? Can you imagine the heartbreak of what you think the last couple years has been bad in our country? What if we lost every child under the age of two? What would be going on in the United States? 
That is the background, that is the context of what Christmas, what, what is going on when Jesus arrived. Because when Jesus shows up, the presence of the king, the presence of the ruler, the presence of King Jesus, it demands that we make a decision. It demands a response. And one of the problems we have, you see that our culture is broken. We see that there's a lot of suffering in our homes. We see that we have relational issues and communication issues and uh, chaos in society. But here, here's, here's what it comes down to. There is a king, and that king is being rejected on a daily basis. There is a ruler, and his reign is being rejected. And so as a response and as a result of this rejecting Jesus as king, we have chaos, we have pain, we have racism, we have division, we have confusion. Because Jesus is allowed to be around, he's allowed to be in the room, he's allowed to be in the manger, but he's not allowed to be king. Do we see the problem here in our country? Right? We're okay with it. We're okay with preach whatever, but we, he, he is not allowed to rule. He is, his word is not allowed to reign supreme. If Jesus cannot lead you, can we say it like this? If Jesus cannot overrule you, if Jesus cannot silence you, if Jesus cannot make you say no when you want the answer to be yes, if Jesus cannot be your boss, then let me tell you what you should do on Christmas Eve. Don't call it Christmas Eve. Don't even call it Christmas. Just saying, we're having a big party at our house and we're going to unwrap presents. Because it's not Christmas if Jesus cannot be king of your life. It's amazing to me. Amen, right? It's amazing to me when we hear about Joseph and this father that made the best choice. Joseph made the best choice. He heard from the Lord, and he took action. When we identify and diminish the distractions, when we listen to him and then take action, when we listen and we let him rule, it's amazing to me how much we will hear God speak when we actually make time to listen. It's amazing how much we will identify the voice of God to identify the Holy Spirit, to identify His, his speaking, his, his urging, His nudging when we make time. So as we close, Tanner, would you come up on the keys? As we close this morning, that's the challenge I want to put before us as we set the table for this Christmas series. Come and see. Are we keeping Christ in Christmas, because here's the best way to get ready for Christmas. It's not a holiday. It's not celebrating and, and all the different things, although that is fun. The best way to get ready for Christmas is to tell Jesus he is king, to tell Jesus he is the ruler, to tell Jesus he can override you, to tell Jesus he can silence you, to tell Jesus, you know what, if, if, if my no needs to be the no, even though I really want to say yes, to tell Jesus he can reign in your home, in your relationships, in your workplace. To tell Jesus he has the final say over your life. Amen? Let's bow our heads, church. Heavenly Father, we come and God, we thank you for Christmas. God, help us keep you in Christmas. God, remind us you're the only reason for Christmas. We ask you today to help us during this season. God, to recognize that which is truly important. Help us, God, make more investments in things 
that will never rust, that will never rot away, things that will last forever where moth does not destroy. God, help us make investments in heaven. Help us make investments in people. Help us share your love with people. Help us seek your kingdom first. God, speak to us, prompt us, change us. Give us more boldness in this house to value people more, to have conversations with people more. God, to listen to people more, to be curious about their story, to not talk at them, but listen. And when we listen, God, may we listen so intently to your Holy Spirit that you would give us the words to speak to make the King attractive. Maybe you're here today, and in all honesty, you haven't been making the best choices, but maybe you've been making good choices. Maybe your choices haven't been evil or, or wicked or bad plans, but you can honestly say, you know what, I, haven't, I just haven't been making the best choice. Maybe you've been in and out of church, in and out of churches. Maybe it was something in your youth, something about maybe people just hurt you in church, whatever it is. Maybe there was a season where you were walking with and living with and pursuing Jesus, but you just aren't anymore. To be honest, maybe you're watching at home and you're just, it just... You just haven't really been pursuing him. Maybe you're here this morning and you just feel a little nudge as we begin this holiday season, this Christmas month. Maybe you're feeling a little push, a little spiritual nudge. And I want to tell you, that's God's goodness speaking to you. That's not a pastor. That's not a great message. That's not some, something that men can say. But that nudge that you feel, it's God's Holy Spirit stirring in you. His voice speaking to you. Each of us here get distracted. It's our nature. Many times it's our sin nature we're born with. But because of our sin nature, God is so good. He sent Jesus for you, for me, for everyone here today, for everybody watching here today, for everyone not here today. But the thing about our God is he gives us a choice. He gives us a free will. And you can go around this week making a lot of good choices, a lot of good investment choices, a lot of good gift ideas, a lot of good Christmas parties, whatever it might be. But you can leave here today and make the best choice you could ever make because the Bible says Jesus was perfect in every way. That Jesus is the, the fullness of God in every way. The Godhead in earthly form. But it says we need to acknowledge Him. We need to believe in Him. And we need to believe in Him much more than just His birth because He didn't stay in a manger. We need to believe in His birth, in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection, that He ascended to heaven. He is appealing for you right now on the right hand on the throne of the Heavenly Father, and that's it. Maybe you've tried a lot of other stuff, but you just feel empty. And you feel empty because, well, this is why. Because spiritual voids can never be filled by material things. Spiritual voids can never be filled by earthly things. Only heavenly things. The heavenly thing. The gift from heaven. God's only son. What you are feeling, the void you are looking for to fill, the person you are looking to fill it with, you're looking for Jesus. So if that's you this morning, before we close and before we light the first candle of Advent, I just want to give you the opportunity to get right with Him, to invite Him, 
to say, God, I want your reign. I want your rule. I just don't want you in the vicinity, but I want you as king of my life. What you're looking for is Jesus. If that's you, one of the ways we acknowledge him here, we just look up with our eyes or we raise one hand just as a way of saying, you know, I just acknowledge him. You don't have to raise your hand by any ways, but something in you, in your heart, you need to acknowledge Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm just going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to lift your hands in this place. And there's going to be hands that go up, and we're going to celebrate people making him king, ruler, and reign of their life. One, two, and three. Would you just lift your hand this morning if that's you? I see you two over here. I see a young man in the back over there. And you in the middle here. I see two in the middle here. Any more over there? I see one over here. Amen. I see you, young man, over here. Can we pray this morning if that's you and you lifted your hand or maybe you, you made eye contact with me and I missed it. Maybe that was your way. But can we lift our voices in prayer and say, Jesus, I want to make you king. Would you say this? Jesus, I need you. Say it, church. Let's all say it. There's a couple of us in here today. Let's say, Jesus, I need you. Come on, church. I need you to forgive me. I need you to save me. And I need you to lead me. I believe you were here on this earth. Come on, church, let's say it together that you died for me, that you rose for me, and so I give you my life today. God, would you change me? Would you make me new? Would you be my Savior? And let's say this, come on, would you be my King? Let's applaud Him, let's praise Him, church. Come on. God, would you be our King today? Amen. We don't want you in the vicinity, but God, we want you to lead. In Jesus' name, can we say amen? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.